For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Everybody, welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show matchups edition. Only one matchup, but it's a huge one, the biggest one of the year because Super Bowl 55 is only a few days away, and we're here to talk about all of that. I'm Dave Lochran on Twitter at Lafay underscore D with me for the last time on a Thursday this season, Matt Savoka at Draftaholic on the Twitters. Matt, Super Bowl 55, Tampa Bay Bucks. Kansas City Chiefs, monster total, tight spread, should be an awesome game. How you feeling, man? I'm so excited. And yeah, last show of the year, a little bittersweet, only 83 days until draft day 2021. So we're going to be back at it right away. But man, I mean, I can't think of a better way to finish the season. Incredible, incredible matchup. So excited to get into it. Yeah, we had a great time this year. We had, we had a great time. We really it. did. Uh, and I was def- really happy to have you on with me, I think. Some of the shows went like two hours, but that's what happens when you got 13 game slates. And uh, hopefully we provided you guys with some value uh, along the way. And if you think we did, hit that thumbs up. And more importantly, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. You helped us push over uh, 50,000 subscribers. Yeah, Yeah, flew by thanks to you guys. Uh, So if you haven't done so and you've just been checking it out, maybe you just came across it now. Uh, at Awesomeo on the YouTubes. Hit that subscribe and the notification bell so you always know when we're going live next. All right, Matt. So we're going to jump into a couple of things here. Matt Kajeski and I talked about it yesterday, built a lineup towards the end, took a little bit of a first look. I, I think today we'll take more of a granular look here, really get deep into the weeds, and that is your specialty. So uh, we'll get into a, a little bit of prop betting too. I, I think you can apply that towards DFS, but also some that uh, I'm interested in and, and a couple that I would recommend staying away from that I'm seeing on Twitter with people screaming great value on these bets, even though Matt long odds don't always mean great value. Sometimes it means it's just a dog shit bet. <laughs> it's not going to happen in yeah. this world. <laughs> exactly. But it sometimes uh, means that. Yeah, here we are. And uh, we, we started with Kansas city. We'll do the full matchups as we always do, only two to talk about, but, well, two teams, one matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the the line, I saw it move from three and a half to three. I think it depends on where you're looking at. There's no way, really, that it pushes below three. It, it opened at three and a half. It's a three now. The Chiefs are road favorites. And I say road favorites, Matt, because, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the first Super Bowl where a team has ever had home field advantage. That's correct. And of course, Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl appearance gets the extra little boost 
where uh, he gets that home field advantage. And of course it has to do with the fact that the LA stadium got delayed so that they had to delay the Super Bowl in Los Angeles for a year. Now it ends up in Tampa Bay the same year that Tom Brady shows up. Of course, of course, the football gods looking out for Tom Brady. Won't someone think of Tom Brady? And, and here we are. So it's good. I mean, it's going to be an amazing matchup. And honestly, this morning I spent some of my research time just watching some of the clips from that matchup earlier in the season. I got to say, at first look, this is the Chiefs game to lose. At a certain point with four minutes left in the third quarter, they went up 27 to 10. The win probability models that I trust the most had them as 99% win probability favorites. This game was effectively over by four minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, Obviously, the Buccaneers have gelled as a team a little bit more, you would say, but if the Chiefs play to their potential, I think they're taking this game. I'm waiting for people to start screaming rigged because Tom Brady's got a home game. Uh, he doesn't have full capacity, though. Like, is it really going to be a home game? Because I can assure you that when the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017-18 in season played in Minnesota, uh, there were a lot of Eagles fans there. And, of course, a lot of people traveled from the, the Boston area, but it, it just depends on how well you travel. But from what I'm seeing, you've got, what what is it, like 7,500 uh, 7,500 frontline workers that are vaccinated. That'll Which be is there. awesome, so, by the way. Yeah, it's cool. I, I just don't know how much of a home field advantage it will actually be compared to other years. So uh, not something I'm necessarily reading into is, uh, that much. But like you said, Tom Brady, fortuitous in the in the sense that he gets a home field matchup in his first year with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So let's dive into it, Matt. You mentioned you think this is Kansas City's game to lose. Uh, and so do I to some extent. But I don't feel comfortable betting sides here on either one of them right now. And, and here's why. You know, they talk about, remember, Green Bay and Tampa. Well, and I had Green Bay to win the Super Bowl, so that that didn't work. But uh, the, the thought of, well, it's really hard to beat a team three times in a row. Uh, what was that, Tampa and, and New Orleans, right? And then there was uh, another one with Green Bay and, and Tampa where they got smoked. Things change, different things happen, and I think the difficulty that I have, and I'd love for you to explain this uh, to everybody watching or at least your read on it, is when you have such a small sample size every season, a 16-game sample size in the regular season is is small enough. Even add a couple postseason games, uh, and and it's still a very small sample. How much can you really glean from, uh, and this is not a rhetorical question, how much can you really glean from one game that two that these teams played earlier in the year because I know you watched it earlier today as you pointed out yeah and the truth is you can't glean that much but if you're looking at individual matchups and we'll get into it player on player especially there's definitely things that we can glean from it from a team perspective if we're looking at trying to be the most predictive from a data analytics standpoint which is of course where I like to go We want to look at the last five weeks or so from a micro perspective. And then from a macro perspective, we want to look at the last two or three years, especially when we're looking at quarterback efficiency. So in my matchups column, which actually just dropped on Osimo this morning, I talk about how when you look at the quarterback efficiency charts, Tom Brady has a little bit of an edge on Patrick Mahomes. If you're just looking at basically the middle of December to now. And, you know, you could say for Patrick Mahomes, he actually has played mediocre for his standards. But if you extend that timeline on that same graph 
back to the beginning of 2019, which is very reasonable, even for a quarterback who's changed teams. I know it's a little bit less predictive. Mahomes absolutely slaughters the field in per drive and per play efficiency. Brady isn't bad, but he's just top 10, whereas Mahomes is significantly better than the field. So that's why I say when you're talking about playing up to their potential, there's nobody that can stop Mahomes playing at his level best. And we saw it when they played last time. Yeah, the, for sure. And and he also appears to be fully healthy from the toe, the concussion, all of that. As he wobbled off the field, he returned the next week. They got the win. Here they are in the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I don't see any injury proneness, not proneness, or injuries lingering that could have any effect on him. Now, uh, he is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP, Matt, and I think for good reason. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, why I think you could look elsewhere there and, and get some decent odds on non-running backs, which is what I think <laughs> is a very, very bad bet. Uh, but yeah, right now you've got Patrick Mahomes. If you look at Super Bowl MVP odds, he is at minus 106. So that is exactly why you're going to have to pay a massive premium for him because across the board, he is projected to have a huge game. His passing yards prop is north of 320 yards in the Super Bowl, Matt, and they have an implied total that's currently sitting just shy of 30 points for the Super Bowl. That says a lot. So your thoughts on Mahomes and what type of respect, if any, do you have for a Tampa Bay defense that on the season, amazingly, is number one in run defense DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, and top five in pass defense DVOA, making huge strides forwards after a rough year in the secondary in 2019. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that the Buccaneers are a well-rounded team. When you look at all the metrics, DVOA, EPA, expected points added, basically the Buccaneers look like one of the best defenses and best offenses. Basically, if you look at the recent stats, like the last five or six weeks, and the whole season stats. They're the only playoff team that were top five in both defense and offense. One thing I do want to mention, though, is when I looked at the PFF coverage grades, they've actually slipped a little bit when it comes to their coverage ratings. Now, you could say that they were playing Aaron Rodgers, and and there were some circumstantial reasons why, but I wonder if the this really comes down to the secondary of the Buccaneers because I'm not concerned about the front seven. I know Jason Pierre-Paul isn't practicing, but I do think he's going to end up playing. What I'm most concerned about, if you're a Buccaneers fan, is this secondary. Uh, We saw over and over in that Week 12 matchup where Patrick Mahomes was just picking on cornerback Carlton Davis, who is traditionally the shadow corner, who usually picks up the number one wide receiver. He shadowed DJ Moore, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, when they were playing number one alpha wideouts, Carlton Davis was tasked with shadowing. And basically Tyreek Hill completely burned him. At one point, Patrick Mahomes had 412 passing yards and Tyreek Hill had over 60% of those passing yards all to himself. Something has got to change in this matchup, no matter how good or how healthy that front seven is. So I'm throwing away the metrics. Basically it's Mahomes, getting it out versus the blitz and seeing if he can torch uh, an injured secondary. One of the biggest games, not of the season, but one of the biggest fantasy games we've ever seen, Matt, and you just alluded to it, was Tyreek Hill in week 12 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 13 receptions on 15 targets, which is outrageous in its own right. (laughs) 269 yards and three touchdowns, 60.9 draft king points. Remember, In the first half, he had like 40-plus drafting points, 
and 200. I thought he had over 200 yards. Either way, monster, monster performance. Elaborate a little bit on this matchup you talk about, whether it's Carlton Davis or whether this is a beat-up secondary that you think could scuffle here uh, or stumble here, sorry. Is is Tyreek Hill your preferred option over Tyreek Hill or uh, over Travis Kelsey? I can't say so. If you just look at those recent metrics for Travis Kelsey, especially my favorite volume metric, expected points Travis Kelsey is on another level compared to the rest of the field and yes we just alluded to Tyreek Hill's insane day and Tyreek Hill's ceiling is never (laughs) it's never that high but it truly is the highest of any player on the slate every week but if I'm looking at a skill player especially when we're talking about a showdown slate and we're looking for a captain other than Mahomes, because we know he's going to be so popular, I still got to lean Travis Kelsey. I I know it's hard to do, especially when we have that film already that we can look back at and say, well, Tyreek Hill absolutely, absolutely torched that matchup. And that secondary is beat up going into this game. You know, I, I was looking at the, uh, the first half for the chiefs and I would argue they didn't even play that well. They started with a great first drive that stalled uh, and they actually had ended up with a field goal, even though they had first and goal at like the two. And then they had a three and out and they still ended up 17, nothing and 27, 10 in that game. So I, I can't get away from the chiefs offense as my favorite. And I think if you're going to twist my arm, it's Kelsey Overhill. So yesterday on the first look show with Matt Kajewski, I, I wanted to see what, what a lineup would look like, Matt. And just to interject here for a minute before we round out the Kansas City Chiefs. And we came up with a couple of things that worked and they worked pretty well. And, and I thought to myself, all right, you're going to have to go with some cheaper options. Understandably, you're going to have to take some risks. But for having so many good players on this slate, it is possible to make some lineups you like in showdown formats. Is it possible for you to make Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill lineups with one of those three at the captain spot? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Because I made one, but it had five or four Kansas City Chiefs, Ronald Jones, Byron Pringle, and Antonio Brown. Right. You're going to have to have some punt, some punt plays there. And, you know, we're going to get into it a little bit. But uh, if you're going that way, yeah, I I think that's really for tournament play for me. Even though you're, you're jamming those three in, you're really creating such a long shot when you know, we think a lot of this offense is going to be stacked towards those premier players. I think you want a more balanced approach in the smaller field tournaments or cash games. All right. So would you say that Mahomes and the passing offense for Kansas City is, and I'm going to jump around a little bit here because I I think it's important that we are giving people information, not just based on matchups, but also based on how we're actually going to construct lineups, uh, given that it's one game. And there's For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. going to be a lot of overlap would you say that if you're building a three max or single entry lineup you're prioritizing the Chiefs passing game or you were prioritizing Tampa Bay's passing game because Matt just because you think my one team might win doesn't necessarily mean you are certain to believe that that is the better 
offensive attack based on salary, based on potentially uh, the, the opponent having to play catch up. There's a lot of reasons that, that you might have a differing opinion, but I don't, I'm guessing you don't. Yeah. It's still something that I I'm trying to get to when I start to build every lineup. And if we're talking about three max or single entry, the one player in that chief's triangle of Hill, Kelsey and Mahomes that I'd be most willing to get rid of is actually Mahomes. I feel like you're just grabbing so much of the ceiling if you get Kelsey or Hill. We know so much of the offense is consolidated to those two players. And I actually looked at, in my matchups column, how much of the offense and expected points is consolidated to those two versus Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And it's almost 30% more. So we're talking about capturing a larger percent of a more expansive offense on average. And yes, there's no disrespect to the the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay offense, but even at their most efficient, they still don't produce collectively the same amount of expected points as the chiefs. So that's still my priority unless we're talking giant field tournaments. So you have some, as we like to use our favorite word here, Matt tertiary options for the Kansas (laughs) city chiefs. We will talk about the ground game as well, Uh, but you're looking at, at, at the likes of Byron Pringle, who actually has been on the field a lot more than I think many people would have initially expected. Mikael Hardman, uh, not exactly that same burner that we saw earlier in the season where he was ripping off games with, you know, a 30, 40 plus yard reception in every single one of them. Uh, And then Sammy Watkins looking like he's going to make a return, dealing with that calf injury, limited participant in yesterday's practice, but said he feels good. And then the last one, Demarcus Robinson, Uh, on the COVID-19 reserve list. So we'll see what happens there. Assuming that Sammy Watkins plays, Matt, how do we approach the non-Kelsey, non-Tyreek Hill options for Kansas City? Because we said you're going to need to make some punts. You're going to need to try and find some value and pray to the football gods that things go your way on Sunday night. Yeah, he said it well. And I actually really like Mecole Hardman and Sammy Watkins as tournament captains because if – we do have a situation where Mahomes goes off. I mean, just, just talk about how high that prop bet for his passing yards is. But mm-hmm. the Buccaneers are able to, as the as the old Patriots adage used to say, take the top play away. Then I think you will still want to go with players who give you a shot to basically hit Pater with one or two giant plays. And Nicole Hardman definitely fits that bill with that huge speed. I know he had that up and down uh, conference championship game, but I think Sammy Watkins, because he hasn't been on the field is going to come in a little bit under own. I think I saw a combined ownership that's including the captain spot and just playing him in general uh, expected around 15%. That's 13th among all players. Uh, That's pretty good as far as a player who we, if healthy, might expect to be on the field 70-80% of the offensive snaps on an offense we expect to have a huge, huge game. I mean, 30 points is basically their prop. So I like Watkins a lot. Hardman with that special teams opportunity as well. A punt return touchdown would be absolutely huge. So I'm going there first. Um, If deciding between the two, I think I actually like Watkins a little bit better, but I'm absolutely fine with Hardman as well. Matt, let's expand on a previous point you just made. Let's say, right, hypothetically, that, and I don't think it's hypothetical at all, but let's say that the Tampa Bay Bucks want to take away a top option. They want to take away Hill or they take away Kelsey. How do they do that? And what does that result in for the Chiefs passing game? Uh, 
I hate to say that my first answer is I don't know. The second answer is I don't line- either. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, this the, the second answer is the linebacking core and the secondary, specifically the safety position, needs to play the game of their life. One thing that we know is that Mahomes tends to not make mistakes even when under pressure. So even if you say that there's one distinct advantage that the Buccaneers have is that their front seven is probably better than the beat up offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes still has the lowest sack percentage of any quarterback who had at least 130 snaps this season. And he only had three interceptions under pressure. One thing I will say is both quarterbacks actually struggled in adjusted completion percentage while under pressure this season. Mahomes is just outside the top 20, Tom Brady outside the top 30. So that's something to look at if Chris Jones and company will get there in a minute can get pressure on Brady. But to me, the biggest issue is stopping Kelsey over the middle who didn't even have a huge game because Hill was just going completely off. Uh, It basically comes down to forcing Mahomes into an unforced error he rarely, rarely makes. It could happen. We saw some Super Bowl nerves from Mahomes last Super Bowl, but boy, that's hard to bet on. It is. And Kelsey still had eight receptions on eight targets for 82 yards in that game against Tampa. So Yeah, and when he did catch the ball, what? yeah, just like you alluded to, I mean, he was wide open on a couple plays where I was like in, in shock of how open Travis Kelsey was in the middle of the field. So I just can't help but think that there is going to be some uh, post-traumatic stress, Matt, from what Tyree Kill was able to do to them in week 12. And if they do sell out and do everything they can to stop him, it could result in a monster Kelsey game. It could result in a monster Kelsey game regardless. But uh, you have to think that there is some lingering effect of a guy putting up uh, almost 300 yards and three touchdowns on you, most of which came in a single half. Yeah, uh, I just was reading articles today. Of, of course, it's Super Bowl media week and all that hullabaloo. But Carlton Davis said Tyree Kill beating up on him made him grow as a person and a player, which is not exactly where I would want my quarterback to be. I want a quarterback to be uh, complete, feeling completely dominant in that one-on-one matchup. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be the biggest matchup on the outside if it is anything like week 12 when they played last time jackson holton our super chat or in our youtube chat asked would you fade mahomes and play kelsey and hill i really like that strategy i haven't built a ton of lineups yet i'll admit i'm just starting at this that process but my instinct right now is to just capture so much of what i believe is a gigantic and consolidated offense and if i have to leave out one player it's the quarterback. That's a little bit more tournament thinking. Obviously, Mahomes' floor and his median projection are going to be just so hard to pass up. But that doesn't mean in every tournament situation I want to do that because I want to be I want to be against the flow a little bit. I'm still going to have to make some salary concessions because those two are very expensive. They really are. Let's talk about the ground game too, Matt. Uh, and it's it's an odd one here. I think I mentioned on yesterday's show that the rushing attempts props for this team are very low. Uh, Daryl Williams is at eight and a half and Clyde Edwards Alaire is at seven and a half. Now it's juiced to the over minus 143, but still uh, that shows you that at least if you're looking at this from Vegas, uh, from a Vegas standpoint, Matt, they're basically appearing to be locked into a timeshare. At least that's the way it appears. Now, I don't know if that will happen. Uh, Andy Reid has been known to, 
you know, run with a, a running back that is playing well. Most most coaches will do that, if we're being fair. If a, if a running back comes out of the gate in the Super Bowl and looks fantastic, he's probably going to get more opportunities. But as it stands right now, they are not far separated because Daryl Williams is pl- uh, eight and a half, but the over is plus 110. So really, you're a lot closer to each other, almost 50-50 timeshare from a projection standpoint, at least. Yeah, and the bottom line is I'm not excited about either player when you look at the matchup. And, you know, Tampa Bay, it's it's terrible. If you look at adjusted line yards, one of football outsiders' advanced metrics, or expected points allowed, expected points added allowed, which is my preferred rushing metric, they were number one the Tampa Bay defense was in the league over the course of the regular season. And the, the Chiefs were 13th in rushing efficiency over the course of the season. This is not a strength of this football team. I apologize. I don't remember who tweeted this out, but they tweeted out the last, I believe, seven seasons of the Chiefs with Andy Reid and the amount of uh, touches it took per touchdown, the amount of opportunities per touchdown. And it was laughable how bad these running backs are at just punching the ball in compared to a typical Andy Reid backfield. Now that's taking nothing away from the offensive gen- in general, the creativity. I mean, Andy Reid is the king of the screen pass. We know that we know there's going to be tricks up his sleeve, that crazy spin play from the 1940s he had last year. I'm not concerned about the short, uh, the short game, if you will, but I am concerned about the running game. I think it's a, a fool's errand to try to pick who's going to have the most carries because like, I just don't think you're going to get any production anyway. Yeah, neither do I. And you know, when you look at certain teams, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, threw it the, the the 10th highest clip this season, 61.8%. They threw the football. Now, you'd say oh, only 10th, sure. But keep in mind, this is a team that played with a pretty considerable lead in a lot of these games, and they were still top 10 in pass play percentage. So, um Actually, on awesomeo.com, we have we have advanced statistics that help with that. And, of course, Kansas City's adjusted rush percentage, game-adjusted rush percentage, dead last in the league. They're the most pass-heavy team in the league. Do you have an article out for the Super Bowl? I absolutely do. It dropped this morning. Check it out. It's free on awesomeo.com. Awesome. It's, was it just a matchups column again or the data deep dive? It's uh it's a little bit of both. It's our the the new matchups column. It's got three thousand words, about seven charts for you, a bunch of tables, <laughs> and this is broken down for you. So it, it gives you my take on the showdown captains that I like, as well as just the the players in general, because it's important to pull them apart, even though they are the same player performing. I love it. All right. So from what I've gathered from what we've both discussed when it comes to Kansas City, we love Kelsey, we love Hill. We like Mahomes, but at that price, you do see an avenue where you could potentially get away with with fading him and still putting in some very solid lineups. And when it comes to the run game, not a lot you like there. Uh, In the passing game, our tertiary option, favorite one, would be Sammy Watkins in the event that he plays. Did I get that right? That's correct. And Nicole Harbin, close behind him, neck and neck. If you wanted to say I have Hardman ahead of Watkins, would not would not say that's a bad idea, especially with that added special teams usage. All right. Sounds good. Hey, by the way, we are doing a giveaway, which I think everybody will probably want to jump into. If you're not doing it yet, go to our pin tweet at awesome underscore com to enter the giveaway for the Super Bowl. It's a free year of awesome. plus platinum. It's a thousand dollar value. It's everything included ownership, player projections, top stack tool, boom, bust tool, uh, the the lineup builder, 
all of our premium articles, if you want to get the fantasy cruncher out on, you can do that as well. But everything, not just for football, obviously, but full calendar year, every single sport. If they have contests on DraftKings, if they have contests on FanDuel, SuperDraft, wherever you're playing, we have content for it. And I believe it is the preeminent content out there because all of the tools were built by the number one ranked DFS player in the world, Alex Baker. Look at the top of the leaderboards. You'll see the name. You'll see the emblem or the, the, the logo right here, that awesome logo at the top of a lot. These are the same tools that he uses, not just putting his name on it, the same tools that he uses every day to win a lot of money. And uh, we also have a premium Slack chat, which I think a lot of people really appreciate because not only do we have an awesome burgeoning community, but we also have a amazing, amazing opportunity to talk to a lot of the pros that work at Osimo in our office hours, whether it's the Colts, Steve Buzzard, guys won 100K like 80 different times. Alex himself, Sean Zahn's doing it now, Ship My Money, uh, Jazz Raz, Josh, all of these guys hang, helping you out in the more intimate scenario uh, to really answer your questions and drill down on what you need to do in order to get better. So if that's not enough, I don't know what to tell you. You want to get that, go to awesome.com slash join. You can do a weekly pass for less than $4 a week, monthly, annual, whatever, single sport, every sport. But while you're at it and before you do that, enter this giveaway because, hey, maybe you might not need to. Go to awesome underscore com, enter, follow the pin tweet directions, and enter to win a $1,000 value, awesome plus platinum for the entire calendar year. All you got to do is predict who's going to have more passing yards, Brady or Mahomes. Sounds like a good deal to me, Matt. Sounds great. <laughs> it certainly does. All right. Let's flip it over to the Kansas City or to the Tampa Bay side of the ball. Three-point dogs. Uh, I, I think metrics only tell the story so much. At, at a certain point, you have to look and say Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl and Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does. I'm not a narrative guy, Matt. I'm really not. But the guy has proven me wrong countless times. Last week, I thought Green Bay would easily take care of them, but Tampa's defense showed up. Rodgers struggled a bit, sure, but Tom Brady put on uh, enough of uh, a decent performance despite the, the handful of interceptions to get them back to the big game, and I think this is where we have to start. Yeah, I mean, he's the king of just enough, and it takes a little bit of luck, a little bit of randomness, whatever you would call it, to win a football game and to win a Super Bowl. And it just keeps going that way for Tom Brady, and this season, of course, no different. He had far from a perfect game in the championship game versus Green Bay. As you said, he threw multiple interceptions. One was absolutely not his fault, but he I don't think he played particularly well, and yet it was enough to get his team passed. One thing I will say is that he struggled in that matchup versus the Chiefs at well, as well. It looked like defensively they matched up fairly well against the Tampa Bay passing attack. We definitely can add that the, the Buccaneers at that point in the season were still getting their legs underneath them, you could say, with, uh, with Antonio Brown being added midseason. At that point in the year, they were 7-4. and four. And really the only player who played well at the skill positions is – actually, there were two – Ronald Jones, who we'll get to in a minute, and Rob Gronkowski had arguably arguably his best game as a Buccaneer against the Chiefs. One thing I'll say, though, and this is to the, the Chiefs' credit, is that from a coverage standpoint, if you look at PFF grades, which, again, I know it's a metric, but these are based on film grinders. These are people who grade film for a living. The best coverage grades for the Chiefs' secondary, week seven, week 15, last week with the conference championship game and the divisional playoffs. 
that sounds like a secondary who's figured it out, at least in the short term. Now, Tom Brady, as we just said, he's picked teams apart when he's been more of an underdog. That can absolutely happen. But make no mistake, that would be the secondary option, the less likely outcome from this game. Of course, it can happen. We've seen it happen more times than anyone else on earth. But bottom line is, it's a great offense that seems well-matched at this point. So does Tom Brady stand out to you as a, I won't use the word value, but if you're looking at salaries on DraftKings, for example, you're getting him at a pretty considerable discount to Mahomes. Mahomes is 18,000 in the captain spot. Tom Brady is 15,000. What does that do for you, if anything? Yeah, it's, it's really enticing because I don't want to make a lot of lineups, if any, without a quarterback at all. No way. Not when both of them have 300 yard or more passing yard props. I just need that floor period. And so when you talk about how expensive Mahomes is, I don't have any problem getting a Hill, a Kelsey or both, and then finding a way to fit in Tom Brady, especially when you look at the fact in recent weeks over the last five weeks, actually, they actually have the same amount of expected fantasy points. Now, you know, as we said earlier in the show, many times the potential for Mahomes is higher, but that's just a credit to how well Tom Brady and this offense have been playing overall, just around 20 expected fantasy points. That's even more if he's in your captain slot. So the, uh, the passing game always gets interesting when we're talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks because it's hard to figure out which one of these guys is going to get the bulk of the volume or at least more volume than their counterparts. We've seen Chris Godwin in recent games see at least seven targets in all three postseason games and uh, seven plus targets dating back to week 16. So five straight games there. Uh, he, he's been solid, but there hasn't been really explosive performances in the postseason for him or Mike Evans, who continues to be uh, one of Tom Brady's favorite red zone targets, touchdowns and back to back starts, but pretty underwhelming yardage totals. And then Antonio Brown, who I think dealing with an injury certainly um, certainly hamstrung him a little bit there, but only three receptions on six total targets over his last two outings. So break this one down for us, Matt. Where do we go with the, the big three for Tampa Bay, assuming Antonio Brown is on the field this week? Yeah, I mean, my first, my first choice is Chris Godwin. I know you're paying a slightly higher price for him. I think it's uh, on DraftKings for a captain. It's third. 13-2 for Chris Godwin and 12, uh, 12-6 for Mike Evans, uh, 12,600, I should say. And so I know you're, you're paying a little bit extra, but if you look at expected fantasy points, there is a bit of an edge for Godwin. That said, you alluded to it. I think that if you're looking for the touchdowns, which you're always trying to capture at the wide receiver position, Mike Evans has really, really got an edge here. So One thing that really stood out to me, though, and and I know I'm going to sound like a broken record to an extent, we talk about the high quality of the Tampa Bay defense overall. But if you look at the fantasy-specific metrics, my favorite schedule-adjusted fantasy points, which talks about the fantasy points scored uh, allowed above or below an offensive player's average, the Chiefs are actually one of the best teams in the league over the last six weeks. So neither of these players actually from – my my main metric expected projection really stood out uh, when we began the week. Now, do they have a solid median projection? Yeah. And do we know that they're probably going to need points to at least come back, if not beat the Chiefs? Yes. For me, I, I almost want to 
fade those players or be just slightly under the field on both. But if I had to choose, it's Godwin just by a hair. So I'm thinking you look at these guys, you have, and we're going to get to, to Rob Gronkowski in just a moment, Cola, because uh, I saw that comment in chat. I think it'll make for a good conversation here. But you look at the, the wide receivers on Tampa Bay. Of course, the first to stand out, Chris Godwin, I'm with you there. I, I'm edging him uh, out above the other two, Mike Evans, and then Antonio Brown, assuming he's active. Then you get into the whole um, lesser expensive guys that really shouldn't see a ton of work but might get a couple of opportunities. The one that I think warrants at least some conversation is Scotty Miller, uh, also someone who said he thought he could beat Tyree Kill in a race, which is, you know, we we don't have enough time on this show to get into that. Who knows? Maybe he could. Highly doubtful. But Scotty Miller can break one off, and he does have the speed to where when we're talking about a showdown slate, we'd be remiss not to at least mention him, Matt. He's $3,400 in the captain spot. If you were playing Miller in the flex, he or I'm sorry, $3,400 in the flex. I don't even care what he is in the captain spot, $5,100, but you're not playing him there. Uh, any any options outside of the big three and wide receiver for Tampa that you like? Yeah, I actually think in a large field tournament, going with Miller at captain and Brady is a very, very risky, flimsy but interesting game theory option because you know that you only need one or two plays for Miller to, to hit at that price. And we know that he usually has, when he hits, they're big, efficient plays. It's almost how we, we think of uh, Will Fuller or somebody like that. We don't need a ton from him to get the solid production. Now, obviously, he could also have a complete dud of a game where, you know, where the production goes to the tight ends and Evans and Godwin. But I think Miller, I don't think he's going to be Tyreek Hill in a race, but he is my favorite punt play wide receiver by a long margin for the Buccaneers. No doubt about it. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, what, was, what did his snap count look like last week? Do you have that pulled up by any chance? I have it in my matchups column, so I guess I'll pull up my column here. <laughs> or I'd say over the last five weeks, I'll have it for you. That's fine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's still only playing 20% of snaps. And I created, it's called an opportunity score, basically rounds up a few of the advanced metrics that I look at and scores it out of 100. He still only gets a 26 out of 100. So that's a part-time starter score. What you're really hoping for is three targets, 70 air yards, 50 receiving yards, and one score. Yep. And that's very probable, uh, not probable, very possible. Very possible. And he's running about 10 routes per game in the postseason, in the three postseason uh, games that they've played. So, or I'm sorry, yeah, the three, well, the wild card division championship, yeah, uh, about 30, about 10 per game. Uh, I was curious to see how many routes he ran in that championship game, and it was 20. So uh, more last week than he did, uh, basically as many last week as he did combined in the previous two. Uh, the only other wide receiver getting any work is Tyler Johnson. He has seen in the postseason, Matt, uh, 27 routes run, which is, you know, 108 for Evans, 108 for Godwin, 45 for Antonio Brown dealing with an injury, of course. But what are your thoughts on, on Tyler Johnson? Is there anything there that, that's worth salvaging? Hey, I'm a dynasty player, too, and I've had my eyes on Tyler Johnson for several years, uh, team breakout age, team uh, breakout rating. Um, uh, but – Tyler Johnson has an opportunity score of five. He's playing 17% of snaps and he's mostly in for the running game so that these wide receivers can get a break so that on passing downs, 
the big boys can come in and play. I'm not playing Tyler Johnson, even in the largest field tournaments. If, uh, if anywhere, I'm going to go to those tight ends. My thesis or my hypothesis is that Gronkowski just isn't healthy. And that's why we're seeing a usage, more usage for Brait and Scotty Miller as the weeks go on. But I still like even Gronk better than Tyler Johnson. So are you st- okay? Well, then let's talk about Gronk uh, and Cameron Braid here because this is a, a pretty big focal point where you've got Gronk really coming up uh, short in the postseason. God, he has one or fewer receptions in all three postseason games, Matt. He was targeted five times against New Orleans, but brought in only one of them. Now, the one thing I like about Gronk is he does still have that potential to, to be targeted deep downfield. Like we've seen that a lot this year. Uh, up the middle, you get 20, 25, 30 yard receptions without any yards after the catch from Gronk. Uh, he just figures out ways to get open and is going to hold on to it if Brady can put it in his hands or anywhere near it. Uh, but he's he's not expensive. And Cameron Braid, however, has been getting some attention, which I think is going to scare a ton of people away from him, justifiably so. What are we doing with the tight ends for the Tampa Bay Bucks? Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually don't hate Rob Gronkowski as your punt play option this weekend because, as you said, so many people are going to look at those target totals of late and maybe even go one level deeper and see that Miller is also playing well and say, well, especially if Antonio Brown plays, there's just not enough. There's too many mouths to feed. There's just not enough to go around to get Gronkowski involved. And yet when you roll up some of those advanced metrics like I tend to do, and you create this opportunity score, you can see that Gronkowski's air yards per target is still right around 10 yards. Now, Cameron Brates is pretty high as well, but that really helps him when you're rolling up the targets and the air yards into one metric. He actually comes out a little bit ahead of Brate in that metric if you look at the last five weeks. Now, it doesn't feel good when then you break it down and you see that Braid has significantly more targets during the playoffs. But that's one of those discrepancies where if I'm playing in a large field tournament and I'm trying to think of ways that the game could go that other players don't, Gronkowski kind of sticks out from that perspective. And then to go back to the footage of the last time these two met, these two teams met, and to see Gronkowski really play well, I think that he is not the worst play this weekend, especially when you're getting a price discount. You want to talk about the run game here to close this one out? Yeah, I also want to mention, too, before we shift over to the run game, that both kickers, even though there are some weather concerns, when there's this high of a total and both of these offenses are so competent, they're they're going to choose to get the points, if you will, especially early in this game if a drive stalls. So I think especially in cash games, if you need to save some salary and you can get to the kickers, that's fine. I'm assuming uh, defense will be off your list. I Oof, maybe, maybe in a large field tournament where you're playing one team, you know, I might have a Chiefs onslaught lineup because I really believe if there's, if this game is a blowout, the only team that is blowing one team out is the Chiefs blowing out the Buccaneers. And the problem I have too is when you're looking at defenses, I'm always willing to roster a defense uh, on a short slate, even a three-game slate with even two players against my defense because if they run a, a pick six back, or a scoop and score, and they've given you, you know, four sacks or, you know, a couple fumble recoveries and, and, and a defensive touchdown, they can still allow plenty of points, Matt, and, and end up being in the optimal. The issue I have here is if this game is going to be even close to as high scoring as we're looking at now, 
they could still do that and give you like 11 fantasy points or 12 fantasy points, but it might still not be enough uh, to get there because there are going to be a lot of high scoring players throughout the rest of this player pool. And, and I guess that's where we have to decide whether or not you want to pay for the defenses, or you'd rather just punt with a skill player that could give you the same, if not more with a higher ceiling. Yeah, I don't have the data in front of me, but we see so many of these showdown slates where the winning lineup, it's a little bit different in the Super Bowl sometimes. But we say the winning lineup is some off-the-wall captain who who plays 5% of snaps, scores a touchdown, and has 80 yards. He's paired with his quarterback, and then the rest of the lineup is chalk. We've seen it many times. And so I, I'd rather take my shots there than get a guaranteed seven from a defense. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Sterling asks, going back a little bit, but are you taking into consideration the fact that almost 80% of Hill's week 12 yards came in the first quarter? Maybe the Bucks enter with a different game plan. Well, we kind of talked about that, Matt. It's just a matter of whether or not you think you can stop him. And if you if you think that he's going to be stopped or at least curtail his production, then you better be really loading up on guys like Kelsey and even Watkins. But um, no, it, it doesn't bother me. And the reason for that being mad is Tyreek Hill has proven almost impossible to stop on multiple occasions. And while it was in the first quarter, you come in with a game plan that stopped Tyreek Hill, not in the second quarter, but before the game starts. So, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't give you, he's not going to give you 200 yards every single quarter. It just doesn't work like that. The only time I really like to filter out plays about when they happen is when we're talking about, gar- excuse me, garbage time, where yes. the fourth quarter of that game, the Chiefs had a 99% win probability going into the fourth quarter, as I previously mentioned, uh, excuse me, right before the end of the, because I believe Evans scored a touchdown to bring them a little bit closer. I digress. The game was essentially over with four minutes left in the third. So after that, okay, it's cool that the Buccaneers scored two touchdowns. And I believe the spread was three and a half and they ended up turning it into a three point game, the famous backdoor cover. But that doesn't mean that I really think that the Chiefs defense suddenly got worse in the second half. And then going back to your question, why would I discount the fact that the Chiefs came in with a game plan to torch the torch exactly. the Buccaneers deep exactly. and then they did exactly that. Exactly. And to, listen, Andy Reid is a brilliant offensive mind. He really is. I watched him coach in Philly for 13 years. And while I wasn't upset to see him go because we needed a change of scenery and we just couldn't push through, uh, the guy knows how to call plays, Matt. And my guess is that they're not going to come in with the exact same approach that they did in week 12 either. So um, Actually, I'm glad you said that. Sorry. sorry. I, well, I think... uh, real quick. I was going to say, I understand the question, but no, it's not a concern. Go ahead. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I almost think I, for a, such a long time, we really thought of Andy Reed as this absolute guru who couldn't win the big one. And I hate to use a basketball reference on a football show, but I wonder if Andy Reed saw one go in, as in as uh, as he did last year with the Super Bowl, and I, I agree with you. I think he's the best offensive play caller in the league, and he has been for a decade. Yeah, that plus the most efficient quarterback we've seen in recent memory. Every game is their game to lose. Right, the best tight end, the fastest receiver. Like, you know, what more could you ask for? Maybe a, when, a good enough offensive line to run block, Matt. Maybe, maybe that's it. But do you remember the game last season? where they lost to the Titans in overtime in that first game where you're talking about the 2019 season. Correct. Patrick Mahomes just came back from injury. That game, 
plus their week five loss to the Raiders are the only losses that Patrick Mahomes has suffered since that point. It's incredible. He, you know, incredible. I, we just haven't seen this level of domination. And nope. of course, Tom Brady, we're talking about Tom Brady, the luckiest quarterback, a great quarterback, but one of the luckiest quarterbacks of all time. I'm sorry. You need some luck to win that many Super Bowls. You absolutely do. I'm not taking anything away from him. And you need a pretty bad division, which he's had. Uh, do you, do you think Tom Brady's the best quarterback ever, though? He, I hate to say it because the statistics crowd will get mad at me. QB wins still feels like a stat to me. And the guy wins. All he does is win. I have to appreciate the amount of, if you reached in a bag and you just pulled a videotapes of every Super Bowl, one in five of those tapes would have Tom Brady. That's <laughs> freaking incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And but equally <laughs> remarkable that he goes to Tampa Bay and in year one is in the Super Bowl. Do you, like when you talk about luck, I'm with you. Can we attribute some of that to a defense that is under Todd Bowles made massive strides? Of course we can. Can you attribute it to the fact that you have uh, Mike Evans and you have, you have Chris Godwin and you have Antonio Brown? Sure you can, but they're still there, Matt. And uh, and eventually we have to at least look at it and say, that's they're there again. He might win another Super Bowl. How long can you go? Oh, and by the way, he's 90 years old. So <laughs> how much further can you go saying, well, he, and, and I'm with you. Like he has been lucky, but your last point, he wins games. And when you keep winning and you keep getting there, eventually you just have to, you just have to succumb to the notion that this guy is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, I see someone in the chat says you can't quantify luck. I am still a believe as much as I love numbers, you can't quantify everything. And the fact that it just keeps happening for Brady, there's there's something there. That said, if you look at every efficiency metric over the last three seasons, we have never seen a quarterback take over the NFL like Patrick Mahomes. Really, yep. any way you slice it, he's been the best quarterback since he came onto the football field. And all he's done is get get to the Super Bowl or meet Tom Brady in his way. So, <laughs> man, we just can't we can't think of any better way to end this season. We really can't. Carlos says, week 14 versus Miami. Miami defense got 10 points. Yes, I remember. I was uh, over at my brother-in-law's helping him paint his new house and following along. I had a game on, and I remember this uh, vividly because he had thrown three interceptions all season. I'm sorry, two interceptions all season leading up into that point. And then he went on to throw three in the first half of that game against Miami. Massive outlier. He has thrown one or fewer receptions in all but one game this season. And he has thrown zero receptions or interceptions in all but three, ga four games this season. So if I'm talking about an opportunistic defense in Tampa Bay, yes, they are. You're absolutely right. But there are very few quarterbacks out there that protect the football as well as Patrick Mahomes does. So I've gone off the top of my head too, but I believe he led the league in passing by 50 yards that week as well. So it's not like he had a fantasy dud of a game. And right. to your point about maybe the defense is having a little bit more upside. Is 10 points really upside? Is 10 points really going to do it? Even no, that, well, that's, what I'm, that's what I was saying earlier. Exactly. Right. Like even if you, even if you do grab a couple of picks or a few fumbles, you would need that on top of a, a, a touch, a defensive touchdown. And now you're talking about like, could 15 do it? Sure. Could 10 do it? Yeah, it could. 
But you're, you're, we're looking at a game where both teams have implied totals north of 26 and have just myriad weapons strewn across their rosters. So uh, I, I think it's it's probably not worth it. Plus, Matt, I, I would be more willing to entertain it too if these guys were down at the same price as like Ronald Jones, right, or a Byron yeah. Pringle. But they aren't. Like they, they're they're in the in the captain spot. Not that you would. But in the captain spot, the Bucks are 42, the Chiefs are 39, and you're still they're still, in my opinion, a little bit more expensive than they should be given the conditions. I agree. I'd rather take a shot at somebody like Scotty Miller in that price range if I'm gonna go with the off-the-wall kind of captain pick in a tournament or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, let's get to these running backs. Uh, Do it up. again, uh, I so when I went back to the game, the the Tony Romo announcers were talking about how Leonard Fournette was in the doghouse, how he, how he had had multiple drops the week before and how time has changed that feeling about Leonard Fournette. He is actually leading all running backs coming into this game in expected fantasy points. But Ronald Jones, it's what a crazy world we live in. But Ronald Jones was actually the best player on offense, arguably for the Buccaneers, the last two time, oh, the last time these two teams met, he had a great touchdown. Uh, I believe it was a catch and run. It was a, it was a huge play to really bring the Buccaneers back into the game. They were down seventeen nothing at that point. Uh, I believe actually as well, he was more owned, more heavily owned than Fournette in the championship game slate. I still think. He is far from the worst off the wall play. If you're looking for that salary reduction and a player who's going to touch the ball, he's going to have a, he's going to have opportunities. And as we said, both offenses very highly projected. Ronald Jones really fits that bill. I believe he's 2200. If you're not looking at the captain slot, so do way worse. So uh, I'm just looking at ownership here on DraftKings for the championship round. Uh, on fantasy cruncher lineup study you can get that at awesome.com by the way it's uh, the lineup study is phenomenal if you want to go back you can see ownership touch scores uh how many different types of stacks there are just like literally anything the opportunities or the the possibilities are, are legitimately endless with this it's so cool um you could just go back and check everything you want from every game it'll really help you it's called lineup study for a reason uh so Leonard Fournette in this was 45% on. Ronald Jones was 32% on. Oh, I'm sorry about that. In the Millie Maker. Okay. Um, but also, Ronald Jones came in higher on than I had initially expected, Matt. Uh, I thought he was going to be even lower than that, but he wasn't. So um, I, I guess the biggest question for you here is, and you kind of touched on it, but at Ronald, jo- Ronald Jones' price tag, he has an eight and a half, or eight and a half carry prop, which is like, okay for a guy that's this cheap usually if you're this price you're expected to get one or two carries but he really doesn't get any involvement in the passing game uh if you look at ronald jones and you say potentially get another 10 carries like he did last week uh and he's dirt cheap he's like the lowest priced playable option unless you like you know one of these other guys that we talked about earlier none of them are great where, where would you put him in terms of value priority among the cheap guys Well, I don't love this stat. I think it's overused in some situations. But if you do look at something like expected opportunities per dollar, Ronald Jones is really going to stick out because, as you said, he's got a solid prop of 8.5 carries. Yes, he's not involved entirely in the passing game, but you wouldn't be surprised if you saw him get one to three opportunities in the passing game. So now you're talking about a player 
who is significantly cheaper than most of the players who are, who are getting 10 opportunities. Because remember for a wide receiver, 10 opportunities is, is a great game. It, it, it isn't the worst value proposition that said, we need a lot of things to go right. We need basically Tom Brady to throw a couple bombs to the one yard line where they're looking to punch the ball in. That said, Tom Brady has a history of QB sneaks that get the job done. So there's some, some concern at that point. I still think that in tournament play, I will have a little bit of Ronald Jones because I really think that I'd have that guaranteed usage. Again, I'm looking at an underdog team that is going to have to score in order to win. We, we really believe 30 points is needed to get this game to be a winner in this game. There aren't that many people at that price point that I can count on it, especially in a one game slate. So Ronald Jones fits that bill in a unique way. He does, and uh, you guys can wreck me again in the event that I end up being wrong about Ronald Jones. I'm I'm open to the criticism, understandably so, but Kansas City Chiefs ranked 31st in run defense DVOA this season, Matt. They have not done a very good job of stopping the run, and they have done a phenomenal job, as you mentioned earlier, at stopping the pass. So uh, is it possible that the Bucks fall behind, they're forced to throw a ton, they abandon the run, and Leonard Fournette is that pass catching back. Yes, we've seen it happen before. But if the game script here, the flow of this game ends up being pretty neutral, you might be looking at a Ronald Jones game that actually has enough volume at such a discounted price. If you don't like risk, but I'll, I'll close with this, Matt. If you don't like risk, there's no point of playing showdown slates whatsoever. Yeah, especially in the Super Bowl where you're going to have to be off the wall in order to have a unique lineup, really off the wall. Well, I think we just covered it all. A good 58 minutes here, but that was a lot of fun. That sure was. The whole season was a lot of fun, Dave. Thanks for having me this whole year. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for joining me throughout these 20, 21 weeks, whatever it's been. Follow Matt at Draftaholic on Twitter. Myself at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and Osmo at Osmo underscore com. Check Matt's article out, too. It's totally free at Osmo.com. It's fantastic. Join that giveaway. And remember, all of our shows you can listen to in podcast form, whether it's at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Say you don't want to put your phone in your pocket. You don't have YouTube Premium. You just want to put your phone in your pocket. You don't want to leave the screen open. Check it out. Podcast form. It pops up right after we finish being live here at YouTube. So thanks as always, guys. Hit that thumbs up and subscribe on your way out. We'll be back with you tomorrow. A legitimate betting preview for the Super Bowl. It's going to be a lot of fun. And thanks to our guy, Jordan Klein, for producing, as always. Yes, sir. Have a good one, guys. Happy Super Bowl.